0: All right, y'all, so this is part two of the uh, Spotlights I seri- Spotlight Series I did with Pierre Andreessen on the New York Knicks and, you know, basketball and podcasts in general. Uh, I just want to put this before the episode. I kind of figured out what the issue was. Maybe it's an anchor issue. Maybe it's me, but I'm delayed on the podcast. So there'll be moments where he's saying something. i retort or I'll answer his question, but it will come before the actual moment it's supposed to. So uh, it kind of annoyed me, kind of bothered me. Wish I could find a way to fix it. I may have to start doing my interviews on something other than Anchor, but hopefully it doesn't bother y'all too much. Hopefully y'all still enjoy the interview. Uh, definitely give me feedback, all kind of feedback, negative, positive, anything. Let me know. I'm here for all of it. Follow me on Twitter, at Brian That's where y'all can give me a lot of feedback. Greatly appreciate it. Hope y'all enjoyed the episode. Peace. We need to do this off season. But uh before we get to the off season, I wanna ask you, uh, what were your thoughts on the Knicks this past season? Like your positive, negatives, what were you okay with? What didn't you like? Right. <laughs> I didn't watch much of the Knicks this season because yeah. I got League Pass, but I got one T V, so I gotta choose the games to watch. I obviously yeah. watched the two games yeah. that we played when well, we bought those both, are highs both for of us. Them. <laughs> but uh I yeah. I could tell. Twitter definitely told me all I needed to
1: know. You know, uh, uh I was happy with everything. Happy I think I this is an, it was you. a nice season for us because coming in as a Knicks fan, I wasn't looking for wins and losses. Um you're just looking for growth in some areas right. and just, you know, looking to see what we can do. Um, and I think this season told us a lot about what we need, um, which is why we we've made changes already before the offseason and draft have come. We've made coaching change, we've made front office change, and that's that's what I'm happy about. We were so bad, even though we've been bad over the course of years, there was a a very, very little change. They always try to change the coach, but it's like, you know, we've had a of course like we've had so many ch- ch- coaching changes that it's like obviously coaching ain't the thing. Like, we need it, it comes a, a certain time and point where you right. say, What's the common denominator? We've had a bunch of coaches in here and they've all failed, so maybe coaching isn't. We had a, a revolving door player, so maybe it isn't the players, maybe it's something deeper than that. And we finally went in. We got Leon Rose, you know, we got World Wide West, we brought in Thibodeau, he brought um Mike Woodson, a former Nick coach, actually, the last coach that had us in the playoffs with that mellow team. Um, we brought in Kenny Payne, who is a, was an assistant from Kentucky. We have a bunch of Kentucky guys, uh, and, and most of the league is Kentucky guys, so we have a connection there. Um, and then, you know, we, we we got the eighth overall pick, which a lot of people tried to clown us about. But if you look at the odds, our odd, the odds were more in favor for us to go in that direction more so than the number one, two, or three pick. So I wasn't too heartbroken on that because I kind of expected us to not get um a top three pick and then if you know anything about the draft you know uh there's not much of a difference between five and eight you know what i mean like, yeah so i think a lot of people yeah, didn't know that, type that of information, so they tried to uh, clown yeah. us but if you really know anything about anything you knew that our odds wasn't that high to get a super high pick and then you also know kind of after three or four uh there, there's there's not much of a difference there of course you always want to have the highest pick you can get but i'm cool with eight i'm i I'm super fine with eight and that's not even me trying not to be salty but i think eight is fine especially for a team with our type of draft history eight puts us in a position where it's not much of a mistake we can make we kind of gonna have to get what's there versus being at like a three or four where you kind of have to make a decision you have you're, you're picking a guy over a bunch of other guys where at eight more is off the board. You know, there's only so much we can pick from when we get there. So uh, I think that lessens the pressure and the opportunity or chances of us fucking that pickup. And then just on the course of the season, I think we did a good job flipping Marcus Moores into a first round pick, which is uh, our 27th pick, uh, who was one of my favorite right. Knicks, if not my favorite nick this year. Uh, obviously you wanted to see R.J. Baird have a better year. But again, I think we put him in a situation where he was only going to be as good as he was. It wasn't a lot of good spacing. Um, there wasn't a consistent point guard for him to play with back there. Uh, you know, we we, we we had we had a lot going on. You know what I mean? We had a lot going on for our young player like R.J. Baird to thrive. I, I, it was kind of difficult for him. So I want to see him have a better sophomore season uh, as long as we can cater To to him. And I think that's the plan. I think the the plan for the Knicks going into the draft and offseason is to cater and surround our two young promising players, which is RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, and put players around them that complement their game. So the 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 love for Fred Van Fleet is because he can complement a guy like RJ Barrett in the backcourt. You know what I mean? Um, I see. I was
0: going to ask yeah, you about that because I know that's what he represents. I love that he had is. he has experience
1: of yeah. playoff runs and also a championship run, also that chip on his shoulder of coming from nothing, being undrafted. You know what I'm saying? That that that's that's what they talk about when they say culture, bringing a guy like that in the locker room that knows what it takes, that that got it out the mud. Even when you hear the name Chris Paul. Again, Chris Paul is going he would compliment an RJ Barrett. You know, from an IQ perspective and, and helping his development, you talk about being a lob threat as a Mitchell Robinson. Chris Paul knows everything about the Lob City days. So he, you know, he played with a DeAndre Jordan, and obviously and honestly, DeAndre Jordan game elevated to its height, its highest degree when he played with Chris Paul. So you you bring in a guy like that, and it, and I, a lot of people look at it like, right. oh, Chris Paul, he's older, he's making for it, but it's it's deeper than trying to win games. We wouldn't bring Chris Paul in to try to get a championship. It's to help. Uh, complement and develop our two young, promising players. And then even with our eighth overall pick, uh, the same thing. You want to look for a guy who's the best player available, but also a guy that's going to complement those two. So you don't want to bring in a guy who's good, but he wouldn't complement them. I think that's the type of shit we've done in the last few years where we kind of drafted or brought in guys that didn't necessarily complement each other. And now you just have a lot of young talent that you don't want to give up on because these guys are extremely young but you're putting them in positions to where they can't reach their fullest potential. Like a RJ, like last season for RJ Beard, it was damn near impossible for him to reach his fullest potential because he needs space to operate. He, he can't operate if he's out there with uh, Julius Randle, Mitchell right. Robinson, and Dennis Smith Jr. Freighton Aquina. there's really no floor spacer there. And then you got a ball stopper like Marcus Morris, uh, who rightfully so, he, he was killing, you know, he was damn near an all-star. He was shooting crazy percentage from three and everything. But that's not the type of guy you want to have next to R.J. Barrett when you're trying to develop him. So um, I think we did a good job of flipping Marcus, like I said. So we have two first-round picks this year. We have y'all pick next year with our pick. So that'll be another two first-round picks. Uh, And now I think this year is just about, yeah, growing their games and then figuring out what we want to do with the other young guys. Because, like I said, Kevin Knox hasn't done much, but he's still young, too young to give up on. Frank Nilekina. He has shown flashes of what he could be, but he's too young to give up on. Dennis Smith Jr., he's too young to give up on. Um, yeah, man. Especially playing on Thibodeau. Dennis, you know? That's, that's, that's
0: um, still so, my boy. That's
1: still in my boy. Yeah, and Thibodeau is survived with minutes. point guards, sure. especially athletic ones, what we saw with Derrick Rose and everything like that. So just, just, just. Just happy that right. we, we're we finding some direction because I think that's what we, we've been missing for the last few years is direction. And I think that's that's the type of mindset other Knicks fans got to have. Like, don't worry about people and what they saying on Twitter because they just they just trying to kick us while we down. So which is fine. That's cool. You can laugh at us. But I think direction is what we've needed for a long time. Just somebody who come in. We got there, but on a long term contract. We cool. We got a new front office. Let's not shoot for the stars and try to take shortcuts because that has never worked in the NBA or any fucking sport. And let's b- build and, and and find a direction that we want to go in and, and put players in a position to reach their fullest potential. So I, we, we're shaping up to do all of that, and uh, it'll be little by little, and I'll take that. It don't, it don't always have to be the first overall pick in every draft and a chance to go get a Kevin Durant. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy with the way things are going because there is no Kevin Durant. this offseason to chase. There is no Greek freak like it'll be next year. So, you know, it puts us in a right. position to really have to do our homework and try to chase guys like Fred Van Fleet or potentially Chris Paul or a Jeremy Grant. You know what I mean? I look at a guy like Jeremy Grant, another guy who got better, worked on his game, developed, and he's a winning player. Um, so, you know, that's that's just what we need to do. But I'm, ha- I'm happy with the season that we had as far as finding direction. Obviously, the wins and losses um, <laughs> aren't that high. But I think we did play better than what people uh, expected from us. I think people, and, and if, if, if other people who hear this podcast, watch the show, they can attest, that's why I even made the, the bet with Kenny that, the, that they would win more games as Bulls because my thing was a lot of people had us being literally a bottom feeder. And I'm looking at other teams across the league like, wait, 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 wait. wait. There's no way in hell you think that we won't be better than the Pistons. Like, you think the Knicks are going to be worse than the Pistons? You think the Knicks won't be better than the Cavs? Like I look at other teams, and like these teams, are like, God awful. And they talked about like the Bulls as if the Bulls is in a different tier than us. And I'm like, the Bulls, are, yeah, the Bulls are much better than the fucking Knicks. Yeah, that was crazy. to Like, me. come on. But I'm I'm happy overall, man. I'm I'm happy.
0: I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we actually been able to have this talk because I didn't see the Chris Paul thing the way that you just described it until just now because mm-hmm. I always feel like an important thing with building the team is building culture. That's why I never understood why the Knicks just wanted to swap head coaches so much. I loved when Fizz was your head coach. Like I love the the kind of culture that Fizz brings to a locker room when you hear him talk. I think it was with y'all or maybe it was with the Grizzlies. I feel like it was the Knicks, but he had that post-game interview where he took up for his guys. I can't remember exactly what he said. I don't want to paraphrase it, but I didn't realize I saw okay. the news of Chris Paul and Chris Paul is my favorite <laughs> player of all time. And you know where I want Chris Paul because yeah. you saw my, uh my avi on Twitter a while back. But when I heard that the Knicks were going after him, I was just like, why? Wow. And I'm like, now that you're explaining it, it's not about wins and losses. It's about coming yeah. in, you know, building a culture. You saw what he just did for the Thunder. Of course, he could do that for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. You got a guy like Dennis Smith Jr., yep. who's struggling right now, who could use a vet like Chris Paul. So, if Chris Paul, and from interviews, I don't think he's. Of course, he would want to win a ring, but he's not extremely concerned with that. So, if he was to end up on the Knicks, I think he'd be okay with that. And I think y'all definitely, you know, y'all definitely will be. No a doubt, I, so and, and I mean, I Chris Paul, like of course, for y'all. you know, everybody want to win, win a uh,
1: ring. I just think he's like. Us, he's just realistic what realistically could he go with his 40 million dollar contract and when what contender can come can just eat up 40 million dollars like that it's not really out there so i mean right like
0: i can't remember what podcast i was listening to where they said uh yeah they said um, maybe the clippers can go after chris paul and i'm like how
1: like, how and which, why well, I, realistically I they don't how need, they need that level ball. i just need they need some type of guard play i think right it's a lot of names out there that's way cheaper than 40 million dollars that will be an upgrade right. over uh reggie jackson and pat beverly as far as point guard play pat bev defensively cool great but as far as point guard play you can go get you a D- dj augustine who is way less than 40 million dollars um now when you say somebody like the philadelphia 76ers depending on how they want to shake things up OKC would have to be willing to eat up like an Al Horford, maybe Tobias Harris contract. Um, I could see that. Uh, maybe if there's a way that the Bucks could do it because they have some contracts there. Eric Bledsoe and whatnot. I could see that. But as far as like some of these other places, like the I saw I saw the Lakers being. I don't know how the Lakers can even up 40 million dollars. Yeah, they don't even
0: have, besides LeBron. And they don't don't have have anything OKC would want. They don't really have any big contracts on their team. Right. Most of their players are veterans. And And OKC is trying to all younger, which is why they're trying to get rid of Chris Ball. But then
1: I also be like, I also look and I say, hmm, do you really want to take the ball out of Luca hands at all, though? That was my main
0: thing. That was always my main thing. It was just like, Obviously, the Chris Paul thing was a fantasy for me because my favorite player of all time on my favorite team, I really want him to win a ring. But in the back of my mind, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I want Luka to play point guard. Yeah. Like, obviously, I believe a Chris Paul yep. and a Luka can coexist kind of like Harden and Paul did. But if I had to choose, that's not what I want. So mm-hmm. I would prefer uh, exactly. a Drew Holiday exactly. I pick the old I agree. next to Luka. Um, as I person, agree, and I also Chris think Paul.
1: those guys are also cheaper than $40 million. So it, it makes you expandable. So you can go get a Vic, you can go get what a you? Drew, and then you can go into offseason and still have room to go get a Justin Holiday. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it, it's just not a lot of options right. that Chris Paul can, can go to as far as winning. So he just has to wait out, you know, and then maybe at the end of this contract somebody, a contender can get him on a bargain and he can go ring Chase or something like that. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, see though. We'll see. We'll definitely see.
0: Yeah. But, um, speaking on the draft, uh, you're definitely the college guy. I kind of find, I watch some college basketball, but between the NBA college basketball right. and me working like a nine to five, it's hard for me to keep up with everything. So I don't get to see all of the players, but around this time, I usually look stuff up. And from watching y'all podcast, you really been the college guy on the podcast. I've always heard you say how, you know, this draft Mm -hmm. isn't really a star-studded draft. It's a deep draft, which is why I think this is a really nice draft to have two first-round picks, kind of like y'all do, because it's kind of like a role-player draft. You can come in, you can draft somebody who can come in and fill a role real quick. Whether it be uh, a four-year player yeah. who a lot of these teams overlook, which I know you've spoken on a lot, uh, or someone nineteen, twenty who's coming out in their freshman sophomore year, uh, who would you like to see? I'm not. I may not say the 27th. I don't know if you want to go that deep. But with y'all draft. eighth pick,
1: who are some of the um, names you like to see? The next, well, I like uh, the way that you phrase it. First and foremost, the uh, if they're on the board, because I think that's a big factor. A lot of people ask me this question, like, like you know, like right. we just gonna have. to pick from anybody i think uh it 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 really depends who's available because the way that this draft is man it this is one of the best like for me being a college guy and a draft guy uh it's it's been real fun because it's so hard to predict and uh recent years you knew zion was going one and things like that you knew job was going to go two, and rj was probably going to go three no matter what though that was kind of going to be the top three but with this draft like Man, Anthony Edwards could go one. LaMelo could go one. Right. The Timberwolves have talked and expressed how much they'd be willing to trade down. You know the Warriors are going to be willing to trade down. Uh, the Warriors could keep two and take Wiseman. You know what I mean? Like the Warriors could just go and, and draft a guy super early at two who doesn't even, you never thought had a chance of going two. But they're like, hey, since we can't find a draft suitor, we'll just get somebody we really want like which probably would be the lowest like that that had, that's the lowest odds of them doing it. I, I think they would really try to trade it trade down for somebody so they can get something with it uh instead of just wasting a second overall pick on somebody that, that they could really trade down and get um then yeah you look at uh you look at the Bulls at 4 the Bulls don't really have one big area where you just like they have to get this they could go wing they could go guard like they they you know what I'm saying uh you look at a team like the the uh the, the Cavs, you know, they could go big. They could go wing. So it's just so much. But for me, I I, I really want to – it's so tough for the Knicks as well because it's like we talk, We just talked about – we've been talking for about an hour. In the last, what, 25, 30 minutes, we talked about the Knicks and everything, and we talked about Fred Van Fleet. We talked about Chris Paul. We talked about the guards that we already have. So it's right. like <laughs> drafting a point guard, is that what we want to do knowing we could have a chance at free Van Vliet or knowing that we have a chance at free Van Vliet, do we want to, do we want to not pick a point guard thinking we can, Hey, we have a chance to get him and he's just going to go to Toronto. So I think that puts us in a sticky situation. Um, I think wings is also a night, like I'm looking at guys like Devin Vassell, but he's already kind of climbed the charts. So is he going to be available? You know, um, Isaac Okoro out of um, Auburn, He's, he's probably one of the best defenders in the draft, but is his shooting going to be good enough to complement R.J. Mitchell? Mitchell? Um, you look at a guy like Killian Hayes, who to some is the best point guard overall in his draft, it, but is he going to be available? Are the Bulls going to take him at four? Could Detroit take him at seven right before us? Um, are they going to take a chance on R.J. Hampton? Uh, do we go with OB Toppin? You know what I mean? Who might be the most NBA-ready prospect, but defensively he has some issues so it's just like it's so much at the eighth pick that I just I think it really depends on who's available and what shapes up a lot of it depends on what Minnesota does that one they trade down um or could we be a suitor that they could trade with to trade down for uh are we gonna do something like that to where we catapult up and just get Lamelo out of nowhere same with number two with the Golden State what are they gonna do are they gonna trade down and then Whoever whoever they trade with now has number two. Are they going to take somebody we have our eyes with? I just hope that our front office and whoever's going to make the decision, they have about four to five guys that they love. I think that's one of the biggest things for teams in our area, whether it's Detroit, us, Washington at nine, uh, Atlanta at six. I think the important thing for those teams in that area is falling in love with four to five guys because so much could happen before your pick that you don't want to fall in love with one prospect and then the next thing you know he's gone because some team that you didn't think was going to trade it up, traded it up, and now they got your guy, and now you like, oh, shit, who we getting now? So I'm hoping that we're falling in love with four to five guys and we kind of have an idea of, of where to go uh, with a plan A, plan B, and plan C because so much could happen. And then at 27, I think that also depends on what we do at eight. So like, if we get a guard at eight, I don't want to go get another guard at twenty seven. Let's go get a wing. Vice versa, if we get a wing, let's get twenty seven. Unless there's just somebody out there that's just um, a a high steel caliber player. You know, if somebody's slipping down a draft, and you like, damn, why is he? Yeah, and then you just then you just take that risk. But
0: somebody you can't pass. You know, I would love
1: to give you a direct answer. But it's just so much that could that could happen before our eighth pick. There's so much that like we we talking about two trades, two trades. We we sometimes have draft where where we don't get two trades in an entire draft, and we talking about two potential trades could happen before the eighth pick. So it's it's very hard to key in on some guys. But I I just think we're in a position right. where I'm gonna be happy with whoever, long as we don't get some left field shit that ain't nobody talking about. I think we'll be I, I'll be happy with it when you look at like a Devin Vassell, Killian Hayes. Um, Isaac Okoro, Tyrese Halliburton, um, maybe Obi Top and shit. You know, it's cool. I'll be found that now. If we have a if if some shit pops off, we're at eight. We take Cole Anthony, which I think is some left field shit. Then I might be frustrated because I don't think Cole Anthony is 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 his eighth overall pick worthy, and I don't think he kind of fits with what we need. So you know, there's a bunch of names. Though Kyra Lewis is a name for us to look at at eight. It's just it's so much. But it really depends. And I think I'll be happy as long as, like I said, we don't do some left field shit when nobody saw it coming. I'll, I'll be happy. And then with that 27th, maybe we trade we trade up and get another pick uh, before we get to the 20s or something like that. That's an idea. But I think a lot of things can go positive for us in this draft. Mm-hmm. Because like I've been saying, yeah, this draft is very deep. Uh, there is no Zion, or anybody that's just number one above everybody else. Uh, that, it, that 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 happens kind of throughout the years. Like when Anthony Davis was getting drafted, he was like the clear cut guy. So I think there's a lot of role players in here, a lot of complementary pieces, and I think 90 to 95 percent of the NBA is complementary pieces. Um, so if you look at majority of the league being complementary role players to a small percentage of superstars, this is a draft class where you want to, you know, you want you, you want to take advantage because these are the guys are going you're going to have surrounding your your future piece whether you draft one in the near future or you sign one out of free agents, this class is the type of guys that are going to be the ones who help that guy get a championship. When you look at like Miami, you know, Jimmy Butler and Drogic were kind of the catalyst, but you had a Bam out of Adebayo, you had a Tyler Hero, you had a Duggan Robinson, you had a Jay Crowder, like the role players was important for them. You look at a team like your team, the Mavericks, you know, as good as Luka and Prazingis is, you look at a Maxi Kleber, you look at a, uh uh Steph, uh not Steph, Seth Curry. Uh you look at, you know, um Jalen Bronson, Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, complimentary players Jaylen are Bronson. the ones who actually bring home a championship because without them, you kind of put your superstar in a position to where he has to do everything and that's just not realistic. So
0: This draft kind of reminds me of uh like when you were mentioning there's so many things that can happen. I think the draft I look back on is that uh I think it was twenty thirteen where the Cavs took Anthony Bennett yeah. number one. Like the whole time, no one knew who would go number one in that draft. And in the back of my mind, I can't really think of too many like guys who came out who were superstars immediately from that draft. I yes, think that did. was the year uh did Michael Carter Williams win rookie of the year that year. Yeah, I'm not too many stars came out right Sweet. away out of that draft. It was just let's, a lot let's, of plug-in pieces. A lot of let's role look players. at this draft because I have it Obviously, in front of me. You know, this, oh, this is, is the, the draft where Giannis 20th, went
1: 15th to Milwaukee. It's Milwaukee. Okay, the draft where Rudy Gobert went 27th to Denver. Oh, don't remind me. And then you look at the rest. The Cavs, yes, they took Anthony Bennett number one, Victor Oladipo two, Otto Porter three. Cody Zeller, four. Alex Lynn, fifth. Nernst Noel, sixth. Ben McLemore, seventh. KCP was an eighth overall pick, and he was just a role player for a championship team. Um, CJ McCollum was taken ninth. I mean, was taken 10th to go to Portland. Your boy Trey Burke, who just helped the Dallas Mavericks, was taken ninth. And then, like you said, Michael Carter Williams, the rookie of the year, was taken 11th. But, yeah, not only is this – the only star out of here was Giannis, and that was 15th.
0: Uh, right, and just two other. I think either you know by who actually made it is two other all stars. Yeah, yeah. I would say three because you know CJ is borderline, but he just hasn't. You know. He
1: hasn't
0: gotten there yet, but Oladipo, who went number two. And it took yeah. Oladipo he time to 13, develop. He wasn't, yeah, but a lot of this is just complimentary right out, pieces. I mean, right Dennis
1: Schroeder is in his draft. Tim Hardaway Jr. is in his draft. Mason Plumley, who's a backup center, is in his draft. Uh, Andre Roberson, Reggie Bullock, who plays for the Knicks. Solomon Hill, who was just on that Heat team. Um, Kelly Olenek was taking 13th. You know what I mean? Like, yep, yeah, yes, yeah, so I did. Mm-hmm. Steven Adams. Uh OKC was Kelly, taking twelfth. Yeah. Just a lot of role players. So I mean.
0: Yeah, so looking back on it, I think this that draft would definitely mm-hmm. be a perfect. Uh
1: I'd say one thing though. One thing this kind of draft. From when could I'm be, looking at and me being even a, though, a college uh, guy, I I remember these names and how they played in college. This draft it's similar to where you're not going to have like this superstar-esque thing. And you could – the superstar out of this draft could be a guy that's taken at like uh, 11, you know what I mean? But like I think it's more talent in the current draft that we're preparing because I even like – yeah, Anthony Bennett, like if LaMelo is taking one, I still think he'll be better than Anthony Bennett or even Anthony Edwards. I think whoever's taking number one is going to be a a lot more serviceable than Anthony Bennett.
0: I was gonna say this draft is definitely like, I would say more top heavy. More so, especially as far as the top three, because I mean, no one's sure who the Tim Wolves are gonna go with, but with number one, but it's not like, oh, throughout the whole draft, we're not mm-hmm. sure. No, it's probably one of these three guys if they decide to keep the pick. Probably I mean, well, not three guys. I would say one or two, because there's no chance they take James Wiseman. Right. But uh either Anthony Edwards or probably LaMelo Ball. You know who the top three players are. And then after that, it gets kind of like flaky, who goes where. So I would definitely say this is uh, this draft definitely does have more talent. I would agree with you there. Oh, wow. I, I happened to baby. look up that 2013 draft. I didn't even know Tim Hardaway was in that one too. Yep. That's, uh, <laughs> Shabazz Muhammad. Oh, my God. Archie Goodwin yeah. who was a lot of guys like that. He was like a, 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 a lot of people were high on. I mean <laughs> I, I don't I don't wanna
1: you know hindsight is twenty hindsight twenty twenty for sure. But like I said, like being a college basketball guy and, and remembering like I've always watched every draft since I was a kid. That's just I'm I'm always been a big draft dude. I I, I looked at some of these dudes and knew like some of this shit was head scratching. Like Cody Zeller at four, that was a head scratcher to me. Like Cody Zeller was was good in college, but he didn't look like a guy that was going to translate in the NBA. Like as a center, looking at Cody Zeller, what about him made you think he at four he was going to be like that guy? That's what I would like to ask Charlotte. Like, I because I, I watched Cody Zeller, so like I, I would love right. to have asked them like what did they see out of Cody Zeller that made them think at four he was that like that's what should have been? Because I can see why Victor Oladipo is taking it too. There's certain parts about Victor the Depot that back then you say, mm, yeah, and he ended up showing us. It took a it took a while, like you said, but he did end up showing that he was he was worthy of that in this draft class. You know what I mean? But like, like even New Orleans Noel, he had like a super bad injury. Like he he was injured when the when New Orleans picked him, so it was just like I I didn't understand that too much.
0: Uh, what you said with Oladipo kind of reminded me of the uh, the RJ Barrett thing, where I think a lot of people, and of course you know, mainly it comes from the media, but I think a lot of teams put pressure on these uh, these top draft picks to where, hey, you got to come out and you got to be this right away, because recently yeah. that's what we've gotten from uh, a lot of these prospects, and. That's kind of unrealistic. Like, like you said with Oladipo, like we said with Oladipo, he didn't come out right away. Anthony Davis didn't win Rookie of the Year. You have to give these dudes time. Most of them are nineteen years old. They still need to develop the game. And and this time and age, a lot of these dudes. How can I don't want it to come off bad? But a lot of them are working basically off of like skill and athleticism. With this, a lot of these AAU programs, they weren't really taught a lot of the fundamentals of the game and the NBA game is completely different than the college game. So they have to adjust. It's only been, I I think that's why the NBA game is kind of watered down to a certain point.
1: Like we see so many guys who don't reach their fullest potential or even reach half of it because a lot of these guys don't really know how to play the game of basketball. They're just, um, bigger, faster, and stronger, you know, than their their high school or middle school competition, you know, not to throw any names out there, but you look at a guy like Josh Jackson, when when Phoenix took him at four, I was skeptical of that pick. I was a super big skeptic because I'm like, what what is what does he do highly or great for them to take four? He's just athletic. And I think athletic is something that you can find in a free agent market. Like athleticism is... N- like athleticism just isn't... It isn't that big of a deciding factor in the NBA because everybody's athletic. We're talking about the most athletic in the world. So... It's ain't high school when you dunk when you playing against guys who right. you know are three inches shorter than you. Like you, being 6'7'' ain't special in the NBA because there's a shitload of dudes who six seven. Being strong don't matter in the NBA because there's strong everybody's strong. Being fast ain't enough. Everybody's fast unless you're the fastest on some De'Aaron Fox shit. But even if you're super fast, that don't mean shit. Ish Smith is a backup point guard. He's probably top three in speed. Like that being tall don't mean shit in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Some of the best players aren't even the tallest. Like we see some tall players and they just like, that's just really it. They just tall, but they get their ass dunked on. They get their ass taken advantage of. Like it, it, it's very big on skill, man. It's big on skill. And that's that's why I think the draft is kind of changing because people are kind of seeing that now. And that's why I was having a conversation with Javon on the last through The Wire podcast, it Was just even without him, was like I'm throwing that narrative out there like, is it changing with the four-year players? Because the thing about these four-year players is that they're skilled. And that's why a lot of them, a lot of them guys come in and they're ready to contribute because they're, was they know into that with basketball. Yeah. Like, even if they ain't super skilled or, like, even if they kind of just based off athleticism, they still have a certain mindset or IQ that the, 18, the 18-year-old who's just based basically all athleticism isn't used to. And I think what you said is correct. Guys get drafted. Super early, they don't know a lot, know too much about the game, and they're just all athleticism. But because they were taken high, it's the pressure. Now, if the NBA was like basketball, where you draft a guy fourth overall who's 18 and he's just all athleticism, and you can put him away in something called a farm system, and you just breed him and develop him and then put him in the league, maybe it wouldn't be such a drop off because it, it would be fine. But like you said, they've, they've put them in a position to where they expect them to contribute from day one. And it's just unrealistic, man. It's just unrealistic. And I think, um, I think a lot of people try to say that about the high schoolers coming into the NBA, but you know, I, I think that's more so on the scouts, you know, not the kids fault. If, if I have a, if a chance to go to the NBA as early as possible, why wouldn't I? It right. ain't my fault. If they drafted me. They should have did their homework. So I, I don't, I don't believe in not trying to let the guys come out of high school. You know what I mean? Like, I I like when they go to college because I'm a college fan. But, like, man, these dudes should be able to go to the NBA whenever they want. And then if the franchise decides to draft them and they bust, that's on the franchise for, one, picking them, and, two, not developing them. Because my expectation for an 18-year-old isn't going to be that he's going to contribute to the NBA like that. Any contribution or any, you know, contribution he can give at the NBA level, I'm going to take it. But I, my expectation isn't going to be that high because he is 18 and doesn't probably know shit. I mean, facts or Luca or Trey, it takes
0: everybody can't be LeBron. Shoot, even Kobe ain't come out the gate at 18 giving everybody buckets like he did eventually. So, but uh, I think yep. that's why I kind of like a lot of these guys who are skipping college and going into the G League. I think we saw a lot of that recently because, you know, it's closer to the NBA game than college is. And and when you mentioned the farm system, I kind of like, I initially thought that's what the G League would be, but I noticed like teams have affiliation teams like the Texas Legends are the uh, G League team for the Mavericks, but... I'm not sure if baseball works this way because I'm not a huge baseball fan. I know you are. You may you'll know, but no, baseball don't work like that. Well, baseball, is, pick someone up from the we Texas draft Legends. him.
1: He's gonna be in. See, every baseball team has right a farm so. system. Right. Um, and I'm not sure if the NBA is like that. I know that at one point they were they wanted to be right. like that, but I'm not sure if we have that yet. Where every team has an official G League team. Um, maybe it's, maybe I'm right. They're trying to get to, that's what they want to do. I'm not sure if they've accomplished that yet, but, um, and I think the thing about the NBA is that they're not used to doing that. Right. That's a bad look. If you take a guy for over, fourth overall and he's starting off in a G league, like that, that right. sounds bad. So that's also a thing like that's a narrative. So they're so used to picking a guy in a top five top. And he just comes and he's hooping actually your first round pick is a guy that you're looking to put on a roster on day one. It's, it's, it's a bad look if your first-round pick is in the G League, unless he's, what, 28th right. to 30th selection.
0: I think if they don't mm-hmm. want to send him to the G League, what they can do is because they throw a lot of these guys into the starting positions. And maybe it's because, you know, obviously, sometimes the top pick will be more talented than someone you have on the team already. But if they – I guess the preseason isn't that long, but if they ride the bench for a little bit, learn the game, then come into the yep. starting lineup because you're throwing these guys out there to the wolves, and a lot of it kills their confidence.
1: But that's why this job is hard because a lot of guys also benefit, benefit from, be from that experience. As as that's why if you like, right. if you come to the Knicks and we draft right. you eighth, you're probably going to start depending on how we feel the roster out in free agency because we want you to get that experience. We're not in a win-now mode. So we're banking on your development. So we're going to give you all the opportunity that we can to develop you. But like you just said, sometimes it hurts the kind Like Kevin Knox, his confidence definitely has been up and down in his career. Frank Nielakina, up and down in his career. Because when they have gotten the opportunity to to gain that experience and to quote-unquote develop, because nothing is going to – nothing can prepare you from being on a court than being on a court. Like you can practice all you want. We can put you in G League games all we want, but there's nothing – Nothing is going to top the actual NBA game experience. So that's where it becomes like, man, yeah, like you don't want to give them to the Wolves. But at the same time, in order for them to be prepared for the Wolves, they have to get a taste of the Wolves at the same time. So that's why I think this job gets super, super hard. And that's where it comes into real scouting. That's why they have a whole process of getting to know a person you know, filling out their personality and things. like It's much more than just an NBA workout or film. They sit down with these guys and have interviews and conversations with them to try to feel their personality and what type of guy they are. They go and they're going, they're going, like, like, man, if the Knicks trying to draft Reese right now, we're going, we're going to talk to your mama. We're going to talk to your second grade coach because we want to know exactly who he is as a person outside of basketball. We got to know, is Reese, is, is Reese a guy? that we might have to be prepared for to be on uh, be on the news because he was smoking weed while he was at a stoplight. You know what I mean? Like, like, like do we have to do, like we need to know all of these things because we need to know as the Knicks, <laughs> yeah. we know we cannot afford to draft a guy who's going to be on the headlines every other month for some shit that does have nothing to do with basketball. We know we can't afford that. So if he is a liability to be that guy, the man as sounds as he is, we might have to veer away from that because we can't even we can't even engage in that at all unless this motherfucker's the next coming at joy. Yep. Yeah.
0: Right. And especially Chicago, playing like cities LA, like like yeah. New York for the Knicks, Philadelphia for the Sixers, uh, Chicago, LA, Boston, cities like that. Like and I'll mainly say L.A. because you don't really see L.A. Mm -hmm. draft a lot of rookies because mostly they're always winning except for, like, in the last decade or so. It's a lot of pressure on L.A. teams. They want to win right away or the season is a fail, even somewhat with Boston. And just Philly, New York, and Chicago, the fan bases are just hardcore. Like, if you come out and you – cause. I know people a, say without a doubt basketball mecca, but for me recently, the way I've seen it, Chicago has been the mecca of basketball.
1: You look at the talent yep. that comes And we got the talent that you want. We ain't, ain't even start started. We, we got Anthony Davis, but like like Couso, Javon. That's a team. That's a guy that I, I, I like I like I was telling him, and I've even seen it in y'all in, in, in some of Maverick Twitter. That's a guy that y'all want because y'all a playoff team and y'all want that dog. A lot of playoff teams want a javon carter, a patrick beverly. You know, and if you don't want Patrick Beverly, it's probably right. because of the antics. But, like, as far as what he can bring, you, you would want that. Tony Allen, when he played, is a guy that they liked. You know what I mean? It's that Chicago. You see a guy like Sterling Brown on the Bucks. You know what I mean? Like, that's a contending team with a Chicago guy on that that they they let play. Chicago yeah. has, two. Anthony Davis is, you know, one of the superstars that we have. But then you even see Taylor and Horton Tucker. You know what I'm saying? Like, Chicago... We have guys, and that's not even all of them. That's just what I just gave you off the top of my mouth. Yeah, we, we got guys that you want on your team, you that's know, for, even, as far uh, as, like, probably. for winning. You know what I'm saying? We still got Derrick Rose. You see that he had Kendrick Nunn. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Robert Covington is a winning player. He's from Chicago. He went to Proviso West. Um, Fred Van Fleet can be considered Chicago. You know, he's from Rockford, I Illinois, didn't even know but nobody Robert knows know what Rockford is. So you just gonna group that yeah. in Chicago. It's just like a fucking suburb or town, city, whatever in Illinois, but you're gonna, you're gonna consider that Chicago. Uh, Jabari, you know, through there. He had a just, rough time. You know, he, he needs to get it together. Shit, Igor is yeah. yeah. from Springfield, yeah. Illinois, but shit, you group him in Chicago. You know what I mean, he, he's Chicago. Uh, Alfonso McKinney played for the Warriors, Chicago. Okafor, he ain't the superstar that he was drafted to be, but he's a serviceable player. Iman Shumpert is a 3-and-D guy, Chicago. Evan Turner, at at his prime, before he was overpaid and had some injuries, he was a a winning player with those, you know, those six, this team. Rashawn Holmes with the Kings is a Chicago guy. Like He was decent, yeah. Yeah.
0: Right, so you naming guys? I did, like Rashawn Holmes. I ain't know he was from Chicago. Obviously, I expect you to know that. Yeah, we got, we got we got winning, we yeah, we, we, bred winning expect, so
1: we bred winning players. We bred players. I know New York got names like Stefan Marbury and shit like that. You know, but we 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 got winning players. Like, yeah, history. New York
0: is more so the history, but Chicago is like the noun because. I mean, even back then, I'm not sure, but it it was a few guys from Chicago who were in the NBA, but it seemed like it's, like, blowing up now to where you may see – I won't. I don't want to say half the league because there's a lot of players in the NBA, but most of the league, mostly probably in the future, you'll see about two players on almost each yeah, team Yeah, I feel like uh, New Chicago York guys, and that's a they got, like, possibility, super historical high school guys, guys that
1: may get to the NBA and not be that level of player. So, like – Lance Stevenson was one of the best high school basketball players of all time. And he had some years where he was serviceable. But, like, when you think about the NBA right now, a lot of the dudes that I named off the Chicago – you would rather have Robert Covington than Lance Stevenson in today's – you know what I mean? Uh, You look at a guy like Isaiah Whitehead, historical uh, high school career in New York. Dude can hoop. But for some reason it didn't work in the NBA you know, um, and hopefully he get another chance. I, I like I like these dudes. I don't wish for nobody to fail, They'll but it's out. just what it is. It's Sebastian Tailfair, you know, historical high school career. Sebastian Telfair has an entire movie, but when it's a, we talk about like what he did in the NBA, the way it's looking shit, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh Javon may have a better NBA career than the Sebastian Telfair. you know what i Derrick Rose is still – Derrick Rose, after all the injuries, is still Derrick Rose. Was Guy likely. was one of the top six-man-of-the-year candidates. Uh, you know, all the contending teams were trying to get him. The Lakers would have got him if they could have traded um Kuzma for him. But I I, I think the money didn't, didn't, didn't work out. Uh The Clippers could have really used a Derrick Rose. But, I mean, you, New York still has – Kimball Walker. You know, Melo is considered New York. Uh, I think York. Drummond is New York. Uh Tobias Harris. Yeah, I know Baltimore people gonna definitely claim. Um, I Rudy claim Gate, Brooklyn, I New York. Was- so I mean, you, you they they definitely got some guys, but yeah. I definitely- Yep. All those guys being that little uh that's DMV crazy. New Yorkers Rudy type James Philadelphia too. thing. I don't know what yeah. what that's about, but y'all definitely got some type of connection. I guess it's so close to each other. They'll, we'll let them uh, have him. he, he can really be a, That's uh, the same shit I was, I was doing with Eagle Dollar. Like like he's Kyrie technically from, from Springfield, but he's yeah. Chicago. So, I mean, New yeah. Jersey is New York, I guess. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's always been iffy for me. I guess they claim Jersey guys, but they can have it. It's fine. But uh, moving on from the season, you said you're okay with the season. So what would you like to see them in?